Welcome to the Opposable Thumbs podcast. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Paradox is our challenge this episode. Thanks mm-hmm. to Debbie Chatra for that challenge. It's a good one. Yes, it is. Michelle Shing is our guest this episode. Greetings, Michelle. Would it be okay if you re-recorded my name? Because my last name is pronounced uh, Shung. Oh, excellent. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I thank typically you. ask. It's spelled with an E, but yeah. pronounced like a U. Yeah. Is that a good way to think about yeah. it? Yeah, because in Chinese, the E makes a U sound, pretty much. Great, mm. cool. Well, there's also the classic, uh, you know, uh, immigration island problems of oh, right. uh, folks just reassigning and so on. But, um, you know, what is the, the, the system is called pinyin, right? I might be mispronouncing right. that. The the current system is called Pinyin, and yeah, you're definitely right. Like especially in the past at Ellis Island, they all got transliterated in a lot of different ways. But also at the time, mm-hmm. there was a different romanization system that was more common. So, for example, any name that right. starts with T S, that's kind of from that back then. Yeah, Rob, I think I think you should leave it in because we're dropping knowledge right up top. Yeah, thank you. Paradox is our challenge this episode. Miss Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Okay, here we go. Michelle Shung is our guest this episode. Greetings, Michelle. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Mm-hmm. My name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his gender pronoun, and I'm a designer and run the exoskeleton art space here in Los Angeles. Uh, and I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm an artist, educator, DIY evangelist, um, something something enthusiast, noted tall person. I'm a he, his kind of guy. Uh, I'm Michelle. I am a University of Michigan student. I am a cartoonist, animator, illustrator, developer, lots of jazz, and I use she, her. So guys, right up top, what was it like uh, with the new Mars probe landing? Were were you all there when this went down? I was I was not. Michelle, were you there? I was at uh, an event with some other JPLers. It was in a bar. Cool. My friends and I and a lot of engineers were there. I thought it would be a little bit more of the engineers uh, giving talks, but I was wrong. It was just a purely informal thing, which was really cool. You know, it was really nice seeing them enjoy the fruition of their labors, you know. That that was yeah. beautiful to see. And then we all lost it, yeah. you know. It was loud, and then somebody, yeah. like, dog whistled, and then we were all quiet. And then there was that woman telling us as it approached feet by feet, the surface of mars and then we all lost it it was great it was great yeah beautiful they told us to stay at home because of parking and press and all that kind of stuff yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. just general chaos but on a bike it's probably that i probably would have had the easiest time of anyone just like rolling on up to the security gate and being like, <laughs> sure. What's up? so yeah and i probably should have but i don't know i didn't yeah, I mean, Michelle, in terms of your web presence, I mean, certainly one of the ways that you're described is as a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. Is that too limiting, or is that a good place to start talking about your practice? Hmm. Maybe I'm a little too early in my career to have thought about which terms are the right terms for me and which ones <laughs> I'm limiting or not. But for now, yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, it definitely reflects my experience so far. Like, if you look up my name and... Michigan or something, University of Michigan, you can find my comics from the Daily. I was the mm-hmm. cartoonist manager at the University of Michigan Daily, which is our student newspaper for a year. And it was a great experience. A lot of fun comics are up there. And there was one I made that actually got a little bit of traction in that at the time, the Meninist, you know, the feminists, but for men's rights 
movement was pretty big. Oh, I haven't heard that term before. <laughs> oh yeah, they were around campus, you know, uh, and um, yeah, I yeah, made yeah. a I made a cartoon about it, just saying, uh, stay away from me. Um, and then a lot of men in this on Twitter, and particularly Milo Yiannopoulos, when he was still vaguely relevant, no. called it out, and then they all got mad on that comic. And then actually, a right wing newspaper on campus wrote an article about my comic but they never reached out to me for comment or let me know right. and i only found out two months later and is this is this the meninist busker specifically or is that just one of a series that oh yeah you found that? it um i wrote a comic that was about these three girls who are mermaids um them mm-hmm. being mermaids uh was mostly to add a little bit of whimsy and i planned for it to also potentially add an entry point for like feelings of being like on the outside but that didn't quite happen with my uh availability and schedule to make these but yeah occasionally you'll just see them and they're floating but not in this one i guess their hair is floating are the women in this comic mermaids but we just don't get access to their lower parts make that clear (laughs) yeah only the three main characters and in this one only two of them are featured the the girl who right. yells, he is literally every worst part of the internet in real life. And her friend with big eyes are both mermaids. Just a small tidbit so, on the side. So I enjoy how you were talking about the uh, vanishing, um, uh, oh, now I've forgotten the term that you used, but uh, the relevance of Milo. Oh, and so yeah. I hesitate to even talk about it, but um, <laughs> it was happening so much at some point in time where mm-hmm. there's some specific events where... Uh, you had uh, conservatives coming to campus to speak like Milo, and were yep. they rebuffed? or like What was the story at the University of Michigan? I believe Milo was coming to campus. He or some other similar uh, Meninist figure. And there were this little board, this little poster board, and its posters on it are literally, mm-hmm. I just drew it from memory, uh, from what I saw in Mason Hall. Mason Hall at U of M is a big, like, sounding place for student orgs. A lot of posters go up there. And one day, people were there tabling for the Meninists. And Mm -hmm. it literally had this Leo DiCaprio image, like, meme macro saying, feminism is cancer. And I feel like I can't forget that. I can't get that stain off of my memory. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty bad. Yeah. I I guess I had a... A question I was curious about your oh, thoughts sure. on this subject. You and I you and I had had a conversation that didn't last very long, but I wished it had. And mm-hmm. so I thought I would ask you mm-hmm. more about that here. I mean, uh just looking at your comics, they're totally amazing and great and really funny and drawn amazingly well. Oh, thank you. And but the work you do uh at JPL is more on the developer side. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious about how how do you negotiate those two parts of yourself? Do you try to keep them separated a little bit or do you Mm. try to like find overlap Hmm. yeah that's a really good question that's a question that honestly i'm still asking myself a lot i am in an engineering program right now i started out school in an art program um and i actually plan to get two degrees one in art and one in something else uh Mm -hmm. and yeah navigating that minefield of majors has kind of yeah (laughs) yeah that's kind of how i got here i have an engineering major and an art minor now It's definitely pretty confusing. I think most of my work and what I prefer to create definitely is more in 
a cartoonist or illustration alley and uh-huh. that uh-huh. those parts of it i guess i wouldn't say really come up too much in my work as a ui engineer but right. um but also i think one of the reasons i'm such a big um cartoonist and all that kind of stuff anything that has pictures <laughs> is because i'm just a generally very visual person um whether it comes to just looking outside the window all the time or I have to like doodle to help me think. I just really like seeing things in front of me. And I think that comes up a lot in the work that I do. I think a lot mm-hmm. of the visual things that I enjoy making are things that I've enjoyed because they've spoken to me. I feel like artist brings up a lot of fine art connotation. And I mm, know yes. I've never really jived with fine art. I, like, I love it and I like looking at it. But I know that that's not a path I would enjoy. Because I feel like there's a lot of gatekeeping in fine art. When I learned about yes. like what is really the value of that fi- fine art, how much of it is actually inherent in the piece and how much of it is the surrounding circumstances, the situation in art galleries, it's kind of appalling. Um, and that kind of, it did, didn't make me lose my faith in art because I don't think anything could do that because I am kind of a perennially perennially optimistic person but it definitely made me feel pretty disillusioned with any type of like fine art auction or like fine art worth assignment you know yeah totally yeah it's icky no no Mm -hmm. doubt about it Mm -hmm, exactly at the end of the day i feel like gatekeeping and inaccessibility are like the biggest issues i have with art because that's why a lot of people are like art i don't care about art and i'm like if you cry have cried at a movie at any point in your life you care at least a little about art the first piece of fiction that made me cry was a comic and that's super Mm. important to me you know wow which comic was that uh full metal alchemist yes Yes. i don't know this yeah it's a manga by hiromu arakawa yeah rob you can read it in a night (laughs) it's it's a long it's a long one Mm -hmm. it's an excellent piece i read it when i was younger and i don't think i'd be the same person if i hadn't to be honest wow that's cool you know there are a couple pieces sometimes in your life that really really change the direction i don't know if i would have been an artist if i hadn't gotten really into it it's kind of hard to top yeah absolutely speaking of hard to top should we get into challenges well rob real quick before we do uh what what's a piece of media that made you cry yeah Oh man. Um hmm. Uh mm, get vulnerable, uh, bro. Get vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> that made me cry. That made me cry. That made me cry. <laughs> I've been to concerts. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like shows. But I'm trying to think about it. I'm that to think time about like a Fugazi movie. made me cry. <laughs> yeah. Bad um, religion. Oh, bad religion's so wordy, I can't, can't <laughs> I can't cry. I need a thesaurus to know like, if I should cry. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to jump in front of you and give you time. Okay. Right okay, before cool. right before I got married, I went to see my big fat Greek wedding and that made me cry. Wow. It was like the like the wow. dumbest possible movie, but it just it just hit me right where I was at that particular moment and I had a good old healthy ugly cry at my big fat Greek wedding. Good. Yes. <laughs> okay, Rob, you go. I think <laughs> I'm still stuck. I want, I'm trying to, hmm. I don't know. I'm, st- I'm going to have to come back to this. Okay, one. cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll just blurt it out like in 45 <laughs> yeah, minutes exactly. later. And you'll be like, what are you guys talking perfect, about? Perfect, perfect. <laughs> so who's up first tonight, Rob? 
I am up first. I thought you were. Indeed. I have a zip file up on the Slack channel yeah. uh, for y'all to check out. Okay. So I see it looks like a scan. It kind of reminds me of an old Xerox scan. Um, kind of reminds me of my old call. I say old instead of I'm not in college anymore. Uh, a college reading. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Two, two pages maybe from an academic book. It says The Case of the Colorblind Painter. It, ha- it looks like it has like, uh, it was Xeroxed from an annotated book. I can see some underlines. Early in March 1986, I received the following letter. Um, I was a rather successful artist. I was unable to distinguish letters or colors. Oh, goodness. Can I throw in after a car accident? Oh, no. (laughs) He had a concussion. A concussion made this artist colorblind. Oh, goodness. Vision became like an eagle. That's like the Hulk. So we're in the second image, we're kind of zooming in on a subset of the passage from the first image, which was a full page. And now the majority yep. of the passage has been uh, high lit. Would that be the right conjugation? There? <laughs> be a, uh, high lit. Yeah. Uh, Highlighted. It looks like a screenshot of some sort of editing program, a very bare bones editing program. It is a bright, mm. hot pink. Um, so the colors just, if they in these first three images, they really amped up in intensity. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a, an eye test. Do you, do you guys have any thoughts about what that application is that you're looking at? I don't know. I'm also looking right now at the bottom because there seems to be, yeah. I don't know if they're frames, frames. or storyboards. Mm-hmm. They go mm-hmm. from colorful to gray, and then the last one's fading out. So I'm wondering if this is some kind of, I was going to say video application, but then I saw the tools on the left, which makes I think me animation. Think a, yeah. Well, I'm just throwing that out there. There appears to be a no, sound yeah. reference at the lower left. Oh, and yeah. And then there seems to be a progression. I don't know why we would have white, but then it's a progression, like a seizure-inducing set of colorful oh, frames. Oh, no, I think you're right. Move over into, yeah, a monochromatic kind of area. Okay, it's video uh, time. Oh, yeah, and flip a clip. Do you know flip a clip, or is this just Rob being cutting edge? He's being cutting edge. I've never seen flip a clip. Oh, this this cheeky fellow. <laughs> it's a text link that takes us to a video. I do like Flip a Clip, just having heard of it only in the last few seconds, because I really like any um, low-budget tool you can find to make animation, because I feel like animation is amazing, but hard, kind of hard to be accessible because of the unique mm-hmm. tools you need to do it. There's a great artist yes. that I love who does a lot of really funky, fun animations, and he does it using a stu- a program called Flipbook on a Nintendo DS. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Michelle, uh, tell me when you're ready and we can, we can hit play together. Three, two, one, play. I am a rather successful artist just past 65 years of age. On January 2nd of this year, I was driving my car and was hit by a small truck on the passenger side of my vehicle. When visiting the emergency room of a local hospital, I was told that I had a concussion. While taking an eye examination, it was discovered that I was unable to distinguish letters or colors. 
the letters appeared to be Greek mm. letters. My vision was such that everything appeared to me as viewing a black and white television screen. Yeah, Michelle, what do you make of this? What's uh, what's going on here? But then, you know, because we need to describe it. But then furthermore, how does it relate to paradox? One thing I want to point out before I describe it, just before I forget, mm-hmm. is in the original passage, the person who received the letter says that the artist who went blind was named John I. I is in the letter. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Rob named this Jonathan I, like eyeball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that is like a small but also big detail that I really enjoy. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for catching it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have here like a, about half a minute of animation that pretty much it, it seems to be uh, discur- visualizing the narrative of this person's letter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little car. It drives out of whiteness. It like will, whenever I see something coming out of a purely blank or black, white or black screen, I feel like it wills itself into existence and kind of demands a lot of attention. Um, mm-hmm. So the course of this person's life. And then it dramatically fills the entire screen and the car starts flashing different colors. There are lightning bolts of more colors. And then... Um, on top of this cacophonous color background, there is the eye test that we saw with the frames. And then the background, it continues to flash crazy colors, but then it gradually begins to flash in grayscale. The colors, the letters become gibberish letters. They're not quite Greek. They're like scribbles. I gotta say, uh, big ups to the brand Kobe. There's a little like a a little tiny oh. retro TV with the brand name uh-huh. Kobe, but we we uh, my wife and I came into possession of a Kobe DVD player amongst other things, and these things last for like 15 seconds before they just erupt in flames. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have I have a soft spot in my heart for Kobe, Kobe the brand. That's excellent. That's excellent. There is as as Taylor was mentioning an excellent Kobe television. And then scrawled over the television, it says the end. And I I really like this. Um, I really like how kind of like just like the effect of when I was scrolling through these images and just the shock of these new scenes like was a blast of color on my eyes. That's kind of the effect I was going for. I think the first thing that I, I and this is pretty low-hanging fruit, um, so I don't know how if this is quite what Rob meant, but I was thinking of, a painter or like an artist who is colorblind, somebody whose identity is based off of something visual, who has a visual impairment. Yes. <laughs> the, the fruit is low hanging and you have grabbed it successfully. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> you know, Bob's your uncle, as my mom would say. Yeah. Yeah. My, my apple picking skills came in handy. Yeah, Rob, do you, uh, would you care to comment on uh, your project there? Yeah. On the last episode, one of the challenges Taylor gave me was <laughs> to was to start the next day, which is um, the project, which is something I never do. And that was both useful and also uh, blew up in my face. Sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, so what I did is I just Googled paradox on my, not Googled, I like searched the word paradox on my laptop and, uh-huh. to see what came up. 
And what came up was an audio book I have by Oliver Sacks called An Anthropologist on I Mars. I was wondering if that was sex. Uh, for sure. Seven Paradoxical Tales. And so I was like, oh, I think Debbie Tatra would appreciate that as someone who is a science person, but also very curious uh, mm-hmm. and amazing thinker. And so I was like, okay, yeah, Oliver Sacks it is. Okay. And so then this, I am... Um, and then, of course, though, what happens, right, is it's like, I don't have time to read the, reread this book. Because I had read sections of it because it's written in, like, you know, each chapter is kind of a different story. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to get the audiobook. So I got the audiobook and listened to it while I was biking to work. And the second story is about this. It's called The Case of the Colorblind Painter, which is this um, fellow who uh, is a sort of semi-famous painter and then is in this minor car accident and then loses his color vision from it. Um, and so then I was like, okay, that's, that's a cool story, but like, what do I, what do I do with that? You know? And I just don't do animation. Like, it's just not a thing I do, but it would be fun to try. And so I decided to try animation, uh, through this challenge, which is, so I made a little automate animated 30 second movie out of the first paragraph. I like your car in particular. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I also didn't draw a single thing with a ruler which was a kind of challenge i wanted to make for myself i was like no no ruler like i'm just gonna freehand it and so that was one of the things i did and then the other thing i did which is very long and boring but i the thing that blew up in my face is i tried one two three four five six animation applications (gasps) on both the mac and the ipad and was turned off by pretty much all of them <laughs> and but i did settle on one which is called flip a clip and i settled on it um kind of by default <laughs> i kind of wanted to use the ipad more than the laptop and so i decided like that was good um because it was an ipad version but there's you you both called out a thing that was you're like oh there's these white frames in front of this part in the screenshot why is that and that's because there's a, a feature that i would call a a terrible bug in flip clip <laughs> where if you delete a layer on one of the cells, it doesn't delete the layer on that cell. It deletes that layer across every single cell. And, and it blasted my whole <laughs> animation. Oh no. I'll make a blog post about all the things I tried. <laughs> Something. I don't know. Wait, that'd be awesome. No, for real. That's, that's actually where all yeah. the traffic to my website does not come through my explicitly creative projects, but just, some little yeah. thing I'm bookmarking for myself, like, oh, here's yep. a piece of graph paper that I made, and and my graph paper <laughs> post pays for my entire hosting fee for the year, <laughs> and then nobody <laughs> cares about any of the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, gang, I I think we should we should check out Michelle's. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, web design in the house. Uh huh. Oh, okay. So Michelle's given us a little website, and we've loaded the index page into our browser. Yeah. And what I'm seeing is what looks to be Michelle's sketchbook. Mm-hmm. And open up. You know, uh, it seems to be roughly you know I don't know eight and a half by eleven, and it's open. Spiral and band so there's book a... sitting on the carpet or yep. something. Or on a rock or something, yeah, yeah. On the left, there's an inked tree, mm-hmm. and on the right, there is um, 
Michelle, I will ask you a question. Yes. Is there a name for like the blue pencil that people use? Oh, yeah. I think originally people used it for drafting purposes, but I personally yeah. got it pe- like it's purely blue lead. It's, it's just blue pencil. Yeah, blue pencil. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because I think it doesn't photocopy, right? Right, exactly. So, Rob, uh, just to back it up a little bit for our super yep. nerds in the audience, uh, you know, yep. when we get a folder that contains uh, a file called index.html and then some other classic stuff like style.css and so forth, you know, we sort of knew yep. we were in for a web page. It's a local web page, which we've yep. just downloaded yep. to our computers. Uh, and it appears to contain some hotspots, right? So there's a couple yes. of rectangular areas of semi-opaque color. And on the hover over, on the mouse over, uh, they pop up some uh, partially transparent animations. That's right. Yeah. And the the hotspots look like kind of like large post-it notes and have that kind of same color, like a soft red, a soft bluey purple color and a soft green color. And then the blue line drawings, uh, there's a sort of collage of sketches over that whole entire right page of the sketchbook. And as Taylor said, when you mouse over it, um, you get a cool animation that seems correlated or related to the thing you're mousing over. I'm interested that they weren't all done in uh, just plain HTML5 and CSS, but it's all it's all a JavaScript. That's right. <laughs> oh, and... And the first animation is really cool. It's a a woman's head and her hair is blowing in the breeze. Mm -hmm. And when, this is really cool. And when she blinks, different fruits appear like as eyelids. And so there's a lemon, a strawberry, a green apple, maybe a, uh, yes, a lemon and strawberry and green apple, green apple. And yep, then not only yep. are they, um, the, the blinks are done through the fruit being consumed. So the th- fruit is consumed down to the rind in order to reduce its form so it looks like a closed eye instead of an open eye. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the fruit is eaten away in order to close the eyelid, mm-hmm. which is really cool. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm just seeing a, um, a face. It's, uh, depending on how you interpret the style, it's either, a simple mask on a head with yeah. long hair, or it's just an extremely reduced and stylized face. But there's a sort of effect that looks like a uh, fluid flowing up as opposed to down, but it's coloration in reds and yellows makes it have more of a flame aspect. And so there's a face that's sort of placid with a closed eye next to this material that's floating up on a loop into the air. Yeah, and it's really nice, like pink, yellow, red, orange. It's almost like a lava lamp kind of style blobbiness, but also feels like flames as well. Can I just throw out there maybe the paradox might relate to the tension between um, uh, digital and tangible media forms? Ooh. It's a place to start out. What do you think, Rob? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm liking that, yeah. The second one... The fruit eyes is definitely uh, the the main attraction. For sure. <laughs> uh-huh, that's really cool. Um I'm seeing if there's any Easter eggs or anything on yeah. the page that I'm missing. <laughs> Check the source, oh, man. There is. Yeah. There's another page. How'd you get there? Taylor, if you click on the right hand side of the book. Just anywhere on the page? Yeah, there's a hover. 
It's to the right of the book. The Oh, there it is. Got it. Oh, yeah, there's a great, kind of like the equivalent of an animation walk cycle, but of a uh, particularly leggy um, dancing person uh, bopping yeah, their hair, their hair around. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I flip my good. hair back and forth. A deep cut for you. I don't know what song that is, Taylor. I flip my hair back and forth? Well, I'm on it. You keep yeah. talking. I'll be right there. All right. <laughs> and so we see that person the same, almost like a... Um, uh, what's the right word? Like a fisheye lens almost at their feet. And so like their feet are coming really uh, intensely forward into the view and the rest of them is sort of pushed back and cool other drawings of like what looks to be like a a boy and a girl sort of back to back talking to one another. And there's another um, seemingly woman with long hair who's laying on their back. Oh, Huh. Interesting. Okay. There's a blue square also. And so when we mouse over the blue square, we see a person who's definitely sort of tied themselves up in knots sitting on the ground, pushing their head like into, into their body, almost, almost like an ostrich would into the ground, but they're sort of tucking their head into their shoulders and legs. Mm-hmm. It was and self-protective like gesture. Going back to the first page. What's interesting about this page is it feels like there's like a celebratory party aspect on the pink square and a more like introverted um, wallflowery internalizing person on the right. There's a, some paradoxical aspect to that. So if you look at the drawings that are uh, in that blue non-reproducible, yep. I mean, so all of the animations are springing from static drawings on the sketch page. Yes. Yep. Uh, so that kind of leans me more towards the difference between static and rich media. Um, right. Yep. Yep. Or sort of the way that a still drawing can house not just a reference to movement, but kind of, I mean, if you get a drawing just right, you've sort of captured the movement as well. So animation yeah. can provide you with the literal movement but a yep. drawing can sort of contain that too in a um, in a subjective way. Thank you for this analysis because a lot of it, it, it's really awesome. A lot of it is stuff that I thought about. A lot of it is stuff that I didn't. And I really like to think about it. Like, so cool. thank you. And two, did you notice yeah. what the webpage is called? No, I didn't even check. I don't draw anymore is the title of the webpage. Oh. I don't draw anymore. Okay. So, I mean, that may just relate but to... But you do. Just the... <laughs> The practical, well, I mean, you know, with the, with the frequency, maybe not with yes. the same frequency yep. as she was accustomed, but yep. does this have to do with the tension of just the work-a-day world and uh, trying to maintain a creative practice in spite of those non-creative yeah, hours, depending I'm, on how you look at I'm it? I'm feeling that. Yeah. What do you think, Michelle? Kind of. It was kind of that. Hey, I we can think. be wrong. Okay. Wait, we're not worried. Yeah, we're happy to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it does connect to the workaday, that kind of culture, you know, um, mm-hmm. because something, going back to what you said earlier, like how do I reconcile being an artist and a cartoonist and also being like an engineer who does kind of very different work during the day? I think that's mm-hmm. something that I have been thinking about a lot and to be honest, like struggling a lot with. And I think something that I've beaten myself up for a lot in the past and felt, to be honest, kind of shitty about a lot of times I feel like if I assign so much of my identity to being an artist or to being an, an 
I don't know, a lot of times I just say a drawer, a person who draws. Um, then why don't I draw more? And I would make all these mm -hmm. goals for myself to draw more and just to make anything. And I would often not be able to bring up the motivation to do it. And I would feel kind of existentially terrified that I would never be able to do it or that uh -huh. <laughs> I was assigning, like deriving my identity from something that didn't really apply anymore. Even though sometimes I would still draw things like this. So I would have these worries, anxieties, fears, despite the truth that I did actually sometimes draw. And for me, my art is always very personal. I know I'm a big fan of like diary drawings. I'm a big fan of when I don't know how to say how I feel, I just draw something, anything. I've drawn like dancing umbrellas and have no idea how it reflected my feelings, but it helped me somehow. <laughs> That's cool. So basically that cognitive dissonance has been hanging around in my head for a while. So when I first got the prompt of paradox, I was like, time travel. But then I thought about if all the big plans I had for them and I was like, how am I going to get that done in two weeks? And then I found myself in the same corner of how can I do in two weeks what I never managed to make myself do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was a paradox I decided to go with. I really like that you guys brought up um, the traditional versus digital media because that's an also been a, a source of tension in my practice just because I feel like a lot of art these days is made digitally. A lot of especially like art that helps you build the fan bases that are you know unfortunately fortunately or unfortunately a big part of mm -hmm. making a living as an artist these days and i've always been a traditional person there were a lot of things you said in your bit rob that i really wanted to be like what for animation software did you use did you use this what tablet did you have i think part of it is because i've been using the same tablet since 2008 um mm -hmm. but it's it's still a good one she she's still trucking along is it it's a like a Wacom style tablet? Oh yeah. Do you have a name do you have a name for your tablet? Uh Freya. Yeah, they there you go. Yeah, I named her <laughs> Freya. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. My tablet needs a name. Yeah. I haven't really earned it yet though. I've got to like do put some more work into it, I think. I'm so compelled now to talk about the different things I tried. Yeah. I'll, I'll list a few. I, tr I did. I went to Adobe Animate, which is, you know, used to be Flash and Oof. now it's called Animate. Uh -huh. they, were, they were smart to rebrand it. still around? Um, oh yeah. Yeah, it's called, it's, they're finally doing the thing that they should have done years ago, which is be like, this is still an amazing timeline based animation tool. Like, like give up on, you know, making submit buttons in your flash page, <laughs> like just make it a great animation tool. And they are finally getting there. I tried Toon Boon Harmony for a second. Oh, with uh, a free trial or something? A hot second. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I really dove heavily into open tunes yeah um and it was just way overkill for what i wanted and also when i plugged my tablet in the drivers and stuff started going it got really wacky yep and so i gave up on that uh, but i was annoyed about that because i, I kind of like that tool the most mm -hmm. um but it, to your point um michelle about the two weeks it's like you know it's really a lot to be like i'm gonna ramp up on this <laughs> what is a fully robust production level quality animation tool just to make a 30 second thing, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that was some of the things I tried, uh, and we can nerd out about that. Um, if you guys are interested, I did, um, cool. I'm doing a flipped yeah. illustrator class right now at Columbia college. And I did this whole 
uh, YouTube playlist, um, which I'm putting up on the Slack about how to take wet and dry tangible media and make them into art brushes uh, for use with oh, the cool. Wacom tablet. But oh, I, I just yeah. never really sat down to do that until I had to teach it. And I think that there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of creative potential there, and and you know a lot of people know about this already. But if anyone wants to check it out, I've, I've got some videos about it. That's really cool. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm, for sure, Michelle, your piece is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank great you work. So much. Taylor, you are up next. Cool. So it looks like like a CV. Um, I, I personally learned of a CV mostly as a, a European resume. So, um, if, yeah, there's, right. if there's more to it, uh, if you really let me know and it seem it says a CV of failures, there's a little intro to it. Degree programs I did not get into positions. I did not get, I see. So it's listing all the things that this person, Johannes Haushofer, has failed to receive yeah it's like a resume of things that they maybe tried to do and failed or yeah degree programs i did not get into 2008 2008 phd program in economics i really like 2003 graduate course in medicine yeah Mm -hmm. it's like a a very neatly articulated list of failings Mm -hmm. academic positions and fellowships i did not get harvard kennedy school assistant professorship oh uc berkeley mit at least this person aimed high Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really aiming high. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the list also shrouds the fact that I didn't apply to most of the top economics departments: Harvard, MIT, Yale, Stanford, Princeton, Chicago, Berkeley, LSE, because one of my advisors felt they could not write a strong letter Ooh. for them. <laughs> oh snap! I didn't see that when I. <laughs> wow, that's that's rough, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, meta failures. This darn CV. <laughs> has received way more attention than my entire body of academic work. Beautiful. Beautiful and tragic. It's <laughs> really good. So now we have, Michelle, I have uh, images numbered one, two, three, four, and five. I'm going to open up the first one. Rice, egg, tomato. Yeah, okay. So we have like an annotated photo of the inside of Taylor's fridge, it seems like. Taylor, you have lots <laughs> of nice containers. So we see rice <laughs> is in one of the containers. And then ravioli looks like is underneath that rice container, though that is not annotated. That is some old ravioli, dude. <laughs> That's a good eye. I did not notice that. <laughs> and then mm. egg and tomato. Okay. I like how you use the dot rather than an arrow to denote your, your annotations. Nice, nice. Thank you. Yeah. We've got some patterns as if you're, you're making a dress or a shirt. Oh, yeah. Image number two. Yeah. Ooh. Michelle, are you familiar with that paper at all? I'm not. The It looks like it has dots on it or numbers, letters. I believe that's a thin type of paper that you use to transfer a pattern from okay. the pattern to fabric. I could be wrong, but... Yep. Cool. That, that makes total sense to me. And there's two mm. sleeves drawn oh, onto this paper. Sleeve. Size. It is tiny. S61. Sleeve front and then sleeve back, cut to self. So we're seeing, yeah, definitely some possible sewing or something in Taylor's future. Mm-hmm. Scissors belonging to Julie. Yeah, paper, <laughs> Julie. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are paper scissors. I guess that's good because they're cutting paper. Image number three. 
we see what looks to be more work on this pattern. Michelle, what do you think? And it's not Taylor's hand. It's someone else's. Oh, really? I was about to say it looks like Taylor's doing something. but Maybe it's Taylor's hand. Come on, Rabbi, you know my hands. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's Taylor's hands. I was about to say you know you probably know his hands better than I do, <laughs> but it looks like they're marking a margin. I'm not familiar with this paper. It looks like it was pre-printed with margins, maybe an additional margin. Mm. Yep, you get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'm on image number four. And it looks like is that that looks like a femme presenting person behind this carrying a bunch of it looks like those mm-hmm. pattern sheets and i mentioned that only because i think this is not taylor having never seen taylor but That's just right. guessing mm-hmm. right taylor is a noted tall person and this person does not look particularly tall <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, oh, but it okay. yeah it's the patterns that have been cut out i just it's, i loved the surprise yeah it's a it's a screenshot from a <laughs> website and it says lithium ion rechargeable coin cell battery LAR twenty four fifty two dollars ninety five cents discontinued. <laughs> so if you if you guys want take a take any overarching guesses you'd like, but I I really this is an information poor uh, version this week. It's more <laughs> in the story. Maybe it's things that occurred to you over this past period of time, mm-hmm. or perhaps somebody considered making a garment out of purely the pattern paper and lithium ion batteries Ooh, but they couldn't like it. because it was discontinued it's a uh, they're all elements of truth so i went about a couple of different uh projects this week the the main one that i had success with was the uh making of uh dinner for uh my wife and my kid tonight and so on monday <laughs> uh so I was supposed to give an artist talk uh, about my work a week from now. Mm-hmm. But then on Monday, it turned out that this week's speaker couldn't make it because of bad weather problems in the airport or something like that. So they asked me if I could give the oh, artist wow. talk in the evening. And I said yes, and then realized right afterwards we had to tape. Um, so I set myself <laughs> up for this just ridiculous schedule where I was uh, giving an artist talk, and then I went out to the bar with the uh, grad students to talk to him and then raced home and to talk to you guys. And, and then there were just so many problems this week. So, so the, the one thing that was a, mm-hmm. a complete success and leaning back towards uh, Deb's challenge was the sort of the paradox of trying to be a creative person while maintaining a job and a child and a marital <laughs> relationship. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, um, so the one thing that I did do today was because my wife had to pick up both drop off and pick up our kid, even though she works full time as well, was to pre make them dinner. Oh, wow. And Deb talked about, you know, the the way that caregiving is still yeah. making and, and should be valued as such. Mm-hmm. Um which I agree yeah. with and at the same time I felt like I was letting you guys down. So I was trying to come up with like that had been my idea for the theme throughout, but I was trying to come up with other specific examples of how you can pull off the magic trick of having a kid and a career, but also doing creative stuff. And and generally the only way to do it is to have those things overlap and mash together. Right. Um, So some of the examples I had, I'm working on this project with a former podcast uh, guest, Nick Bontrager. And so we're going to be taking these um, 
uh, little uh, sort of uh, miniature Arduino clones that we designed off to a um, uh, a conference in New York in February. And so mm-hmm. part of what we're trying to do is figure out how to power these boards with coin cells that are easily available, like the kind you can get at the grocery store. And so I thought I had a bead on rechargeable coin cells so I could be kind of a more responsible electronics trash maker. Um, so I did all this, <laughs> man, I did all this research and wrote this whole blog post and found that, you know, this kind of cell was going out of production. But I thought I found a new one by Duracell that had a similar amp hour rating. It was the same diameter, just a slightly thinner. And so that would have required a different battery retaining clip. And yep. just like on and on yeah. and on. And um, I was sourcing it through Octopart and the description said it was rechargeable. And then as I was writing the blog post for you guys, I got all the way to the end of the post and then just went to the direct link to the product, and it was non-rechargeable. <laughs> so oh. I was just like, oh, my oh God. It was just all this shit. And then finally, I just had to totally trash that idea, which had come along quite well up until then, uh, and go on to another one. So then, so then the next thing was I've been working with uh, Abigail... And I've I've got to look up the pronunciation of her name because I've been I've been flogging it all night. But um, yeah, Abigail Glaum Lathbury, uh, who works with this great project. She's up at the Art Institute of Chicago, and uh, she got in touch with this sort of historical movement, Rob, which actually recalls your project from last week. It's called the uh, Society for Rational oh. Dress, and the um, the idea was you know how gendered clothing that lacks pockets and you know, prevents one from riding a bike or something like that. You know, ha- oh, yeah. how the clothing can kind of be the seat of um, poor gender politics and other kinds of societal ills. And so Abigail and her um, colleague, they did this project around this um, this jumpsuit. So the idea is it, it's known as a, like a, um, oh, what was it? It was like a uh, futuristic monogarment or, <laughs> or something like that. But But the idea is that everybody in the future could wear an identical jumpsuit that's just really well tailored and that you would sort of do do away with all of these problems uh, that are brought on by gendered clothing. So if you go to a jumpsuit, but it's jumpsuit.it, um, you can download and you take a couple measurements of your body. You can download a custom pattern to make your own, uh, make your own jumpsuit that, that fits into this um, sort of social movement. So, oh. yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool. So, so I'm working with um, uh, Julie Feller, who's another who's a fashion faculty at Columbia College. We're going to be teaching a class next semester on blue collar fashion that I've talked about. Uh, so we met up today to start producing this thing, but then Julie had this unexpected thing she had to go to, so we lost some time there, and then it ran over, and then I was late on the train. <laughs> so, so we got together. And we also realized that the pattern was just woefully undersized for my hulking frame. So <laughs> she showed me how to take a pattern and kind of grade it out and customize it so they could actually meet, you know, an unusual inseam and so forth. So we got a lot of cool work done. And then that's Julie in the photograph uh, whisking the patterns away. You, you get this like special hole punch that actually punches maybe uh, like a three quarter inch hole. And then you can hang all those pattern pieces on a um, special hanger so that you don't have to roll them up because then they wouldn't sit flat on the table. Oh, Um, that's cool. Yeah, so I learned a lot. So Julie and I were doing that thing. And then 
I had at least made my family dinner, but then I went straight to this meeting and then straight to this artist talk. And then during the artist talk, there was, because I, I teach at a, um, like a, a generally a media college. So there was some production of some show tune going on. And then their, the frequency of their speakers or their mics got matched up with ours. So the entire time I was trying to do this artist talk, there was someone like, suddenly Seymour, <laughs> like blasting, <laughs> blasting show tunes over the top of my voice. Um, so yeah, it was just this like Holy cavalcade crap. of failures. But um, there was a bunch of great moments in there where I learned about, you know, pattern construction and rechargeable coin cell batteries and all this. But ultimately I had no concrete product except for the one dinner i made for my family <laughs> so i just i just had to cling to that so that is my that is my project for this week <laughs> rob's was animation yes mine was animation mm-hmm. mine was about the dissonance between a creative life and an other non-creative life needs and taylor's touched on that too Indeed. i'm making chain motions with my arms right now <laughs> so you can imagine them <laughs> I really want to make one of those jumpsuits now. I put up the link. The yeah, that's it right there. Yeah, Rob. I mean, you you are a very regular sized man, if I may say so. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yep. So I think that you're you're probably good to go right off the bat on the jumpsuit. So. Yeah. Yeah. You can find photos of our finished projects over at projects.opposablepodcast.com, and we will post Michelle's amazing microsite there as well. Uh, we'll also have links in our show notes of various things that we talked about. And we also post cool stuff over at our Instagram account, which is opposable underscore podcast. We would like to send you an opposable thumb sticker. Michelle just got two today. Uh, yeah, I did. How, how, how do you like them, Michelle, the stickers? I love them. Good. They're nice. They feel smooth and good. I'm sure they would stick well and their design is lovely. Yes. See, what more could you ask for on a sticker? That was a, a, a perfect breakdown of, the, of what a good sticker provides. <laughs> <laughs> so if you share our podcast on social media or rate us on iTunes or something else like that, we will mail you an opposable thumb sticker. Uh, just contact us on Instagram at opposable underscore podcast or at our email opposablepodcast at gmail.com oh taylor actually side note on your artist talk mm-hmm. i think while your artist talk was happening we got two follows on our opposable thumbs nice. um, <laughs> instagram account from people who were at columbia i think so i was like yeah, oh yeah. i think taylor's artist talk is happening and they're they're following us live while he's talking his talk must be going great social media <laughs> so, makes good that's right yeah <laughs> Uh, and that sticker was made by uh, the really cool artist's uh, illustrator, Wolfmask. Uh, and you can check out his art over at wolfmaskart.co.uk. Uh, shout out to Deb Tatra, who was on the last episode and just became a Patreon patron. Nice. Thank you, Deb. Yeah. Uh, Blondie Hacks, Nick Kantar, Walter Katundu, David Bellhorn, and Adam Mayer. Uh, we'd like to give them a shout out as our top Patreon supporters. Thank you, Debbie, Blondie Hacks, Nick, Walter, David, and Adam. If you'd like to join them in the League of Patreon Supporter Badasses, please go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs to sponsor us. Anything you can donate really helps keep the podcast going. Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter, or religion, or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it. And we do have a full code of conduct over at our site. Uh, ah, things we're into. Michelle, our mighty guest. Do you have any links or anything that you want to share? 
Let's see. I would say look up David O'Reilly's game, Everything. Yes. Delightful experience. So good. I do. I did have a question for you, Michelle, about your okay. project that is maybe related to a link. You, I was curious about your own animation approaches. I use a software called Krita. Um, oh, oh, I forgot. This cool. is something I should should have mentioned at the beginning. I'm president of Animation Club. I was president oh. of Animation Club last year at University of Michigan. But um, anyway, we use Krita because it is a free, relatively lightweight software. So yes, pretty. It's not as overwhelming as OpenTunes. Recently, um, I saw a really awesome. Behance page, uh, you know, the design portfolio website. It is by Joy Lee and it's called Living as an Asian Girl. I really liked the, because it's a series of three posters that she made. Um, one is Who's Your Token Asian? One is A Sad Ballad for <laughs> Asian Girls. And one is Dear Joy, I blank you. And it's a graph of all the things her parents have told her um, rated from frustrating frustrated to caring and i really liked it because the design is really lovely or interesting um and i really appreciate um artists from my background like and designers from my background creating more stuff creating stuff that's really i feel like this word has exploded a lot but also at its core it's still important so relatable Mm -hmm. um and that really puts it out there in a way that kind of gets not as if that she can speak for all of us, but our voice out there in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I really like the approach that she has here. It's kind of snarky, kind of vulnerable, kind of just side-eyeing a lot of the tr- the Asian girl tropes. <laughs> yeah. And then my last one, go into YouTube and look up Screaming Cowboy Bongo Cat. Okay. That's it. <laughs> awesome. It is the best rendition of the Screaming Cowboy meme, in my opinion. Cool. That's cool. Um, it's cool you mentioned Critic because that had crossed my radar when I was looking for like open source animation tools, and I was really excited about Critic, but I didn't get a chance to check it out. I have two, three things, but they're all very quick. One is um, the information is beautifulawards.com, which is a really cool like infographic visualization uh, gallery. It's really awesome. I won't describe it in any detail. Just go check it out. Information is beautifulawards.com. Uh, the second thing is this really cool tool that I've always wished existed and I just found out about um, from a friend and poet, Kenji Liu, who uh, sent this in an email newsletter that he, he sent recently. And the site is called textmechanic.com. And it has a few really interesting features. And the most interesting one is a feature called text randomization. So you can like copy and paste a giant hunk of text into um the page and it will randomize that text and it's uh, i've always wondered if there was or wanted and wondered for a tool that's like photoshop but for text you know that that sort of thinks about text in a photoshop kind of way as opposed to thinking about text in a like purely literary like uh, or purely like narrative kind of way and um text mechanic is awesome one thing though is it very aggressively blocks ad blockers so uh, you really have to turn your ad blocker off in order for it to work, which is slightly annoying, but you know, that's the way it goes. Then the last thing is I on core77.com, uh, there's a recent post uh, of vintage Japanese fireworks catalog pages. Yeah. And the illustrations are so cool because they like illustrate what the firework 
does like what it's supposed to do like it's like the ways it explodes and like the color and stuff and it's so designy and graphic-y and interesting um and it's sort of the antithesis of like modern fireworks packaging you know <laughs> where it's like a chicken laying hang grenades or something <laughs> <So>. <laughs> now i want to see that man yeah so i thought that was a really cool even just a way of thinking about fireworks like in their sort of more geometric sense than than the the fact that they explode that's so that's awesome. that's what i have to share word uh two things uh first uh credit goes out to uh, uh debbie from the last episode for picking this up but erlon woods got uh his yes. sentence commuted so the co-host of ear hustle uh in jail for life right he had at least another 11 years to go if i'm not mistaken um but he had a sentence commuted by Jerry Brown, and I'm assuming owing to his work uh, along with Nigel Poor and the Ear Hustle podcast. So that was very exciting to hear about this week. Uh, uh, congratulations. And then um, another one, yep. not so happy news. Uh, now apparently there's a, um, a study that everyone's talking about, like the first big study about the um, dangers of uh, 3D printing in an enclosed environment for your uh, for your lungs. So, Rob, I'm sure you'll be oh. more than happy to hear about this. But it's um, I've got a link to it up on fastcompany.com, and there's probably a better direct link. But essentially, they they allude to the fact that when uh, offices all started doing desktop printing, that they had to start doing some tests to see how bad those things were for you. So you need to have like a chamber, right, where no additional... Uh, particles can come into the air and so forth but they tested all these different printers and effectively every single printer was putting little tiny particles into the air that weren't so good for you oof michelle i think it's time for taylor and i and our next guest to receive your challenge so, hear it. so i was thinking about it a bit as we were discussing i wanted to do something that kind of was what we talked about and also has um is kind of dear to my heart so Earlier, we were talking about pieces that made us cry, <laughs> um, and we were talking about being vulnerable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob, if you remembered what made you cry, please feel free to shout it out. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, you may have noticed that my piece is like very personal to me. I could probably talk about that kind of stuff for a long time. Um, and like as an artist and as a person being alive every day, uh, thinking about how I feel is something that I do a lot. Yeah. Um, and I always am encouraging people to be in touch with themselves. Like Taylor was saying, get vulnerable. And so my prompt is going to be, make me cry. Nice. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. I like wow. it. I like it. That's so cool. <laughs> make me cry. All right. I will be passing that uh, challenge along to our next guest uh-huh. tonight. Uh-huh. Wow, Michelle, thank you so much yeah, for, for being real. That was great. On the podcast. Yeah, it was thanks. really, really great. Yeah, your illustrations and animations are, are super, super, super cool. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, oh, It's yeah. been awesome. Thanks All again. right, guys. Cool. See thanks you later. Oh. If I, if I could be so raw... At this at this point oh. in the evening, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, everybody poops. <laughs>